You do not do jujitsu. I do not do jujitsu. But you referenced it earlier. I referenced it earlier because we were we were talking about my new podcast that I've come up with called It's Only Science, where just like Joe Rogan, people get on and they explain things to me that I don't understand. And then I respond with, it's only science. (laughs) Wait, that's your only response every time? That's the only thing I say in the podcast. That needs to happen. (laughs) This podcast needs to be made. You know what? With this setup, I feel like you guys are the ones to do it. Yeah, I don't even have to be the host. Maybe not, but maybe you do, and we Skype call you in just for the, the tag. Which it's is, only science. It's only science. Yeah. Hey, so welcome everybody to LFA. We're here. We're excited. I'm excited every week, and this is why. So every week we have very special guests, and I feel like I say that every week, and then every week it, the guests just keep getting more and more special, specialer and specialer, as they say. And sitting across from me right now is someone who's very special to me. And although it's unclear to both of us whether or not this is our first time actually meeting in person, he's had a significant impact in my life as an artist Um, and just as a person because art speaks to me and he makes very good that. So let's start with this question of the day is, well, first I want to say, who are you? Michael, that is so nice. Thank you so much. That's so kind of you. Uh, sure. I'm so happy to be here. So pumped and honored to be a part of this uh, podcast and a part of this project and production company that you guys are doing. But yeah, my name is Ethan Payne. Uh, I play in a band called Easter Island and I make uh, documentaries and do a little photography. Hmm. I would like to do more photography, but right now I just am not. You, why? Uh, just busy doing other things. Yeah. I feel like um, as artists, we are kind of like machine guns in that we can put out a lot, but we need someone behind us to like focus it. And even if it's ourselves, you know, stepping back and being like, this is what I'm going to focus on, then it's effective. Because if not, we're just kind of spraying bullets all over the place. So huh. putting like hobbies on the back burner is something that I have a very close relationship with. I feel Does you. it pain you? <laughs> it it does <laughs> sometimes, yeah. uh, but no pain today. Maybe maybe I don't know where this conversation will go. Well, if pain reveals itself, we'll move we'll move with it, and maybe it'll go away. We'll go down that road. I didn't together. even take an ibuprofen last night. Do you usually take ibuprofen? When I night? drink a lot, I'll take an ibuprofen before I go to bed. But I just forgot. Oh, so but I you feel drank really a lot good last night. Uh. Depends what a lot is, right, Ben? <laughs> do you do we do we reference Ben, the producer, uh, yes. the way we reference Jamie and yeah. Joe Rogan? Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to get him more and more comfortable with that. So if you could help me, okay? Yeah, he needs to. Uh, well, Ben was the, uh, Ben was there when we were drinking last night because we played a show at Pianos and uh, it was very fun. How did that show go? Other than being very fun, it it's so nice to play New York and have our friends and family come support us because being on the road can uh, feel really lonely and isolating. Because, I mean, it's at the level that Easter Island is at, we, we, you know, we're not famous by any stretch of the imagination. And so this, when we tour, it's about spreading the gospel, if you will, and trying to just get more people to like our music, basically. And, and when you do that, you put yourself out there and there's a risk that people... I mean, there's no reason people in Syracuse, New York would come see us Like, if there's no one that we know in Syracuse, New York. Like, so then why, why are you playing they? those shows? That's a great question. Because <laughs> we have played Syracuse, New York to two people. <laughs> two? Two people. Uh, who were my friends who came to those shows. Was, I mean, was that a good show? I thought we played well. Yeah. So yeah, then it comes back to my question, like actually why do those shows? Why are, and maybe you do have an audience, an extended audience here in New York, but like kind of my question is why go through this process of, first of all, making music is 
a very intimate and vulnerable experience. And then showing it to other people is also intimate, vulnerable. Now, touring it and like going to city after city after city and banging it out is like a lot. Why? Um, that's a great question. The When you're at a certain stage and you're sort of trying to assemble a team, as we are, because we have a record that we're... Uh, we've been working on for four or five years and we're going to try to hopefully put it out next year. And it's a record that we love and so we want to put it out the right way and so we need a team to do that. And there's it's kind of a catch-22 where it's like you almost have to show people who you want to be on your team that you have tenacity and that you'll go out and play shows in order to get them to help you play better shows. So if, if you're trying to find a booking agent like we are, we haven't had an agent in a couple of years and... It's it's just that, you know, you're we need to have dates, we need to have tour dates. And like the the bonus is you meet people at random shows where you, like we were in New Orleans and we played to the uh these two this couple at the bar and at the end of it they bought all this merch and we've stayed in contact with them and they love the music and they are hooking us up with other people in New Orleans and other bands in new orleans so you never know what could happen and but that's like the extra blessing if you will Mm -hmm. um the tour dates are literally just to slog it out and to say to make yourself a little bit more attractive to an agent to say hey listen we've played all these dates which means we're hungry we're hungry for it and we're willing to put in the work when we're not getting guarantees every night cool things like that so i would say that's probably the and that's such a great question because it's something that we've been thinking about a lot um, on this tour because that's what we're doing. Like we, the album's not out. It's not, we're not, we don't have it to promote yet. We're just putting the time in. And so again, back to your other question, like how was the show last night in New York? It was, it's just so nice to play uh, for friendly, familiar faces. Yeah. And it's extra fun to play for people who know your songs, too. So it's really special. Yeah, it is really special. I think it also informs the moments that you have with those people at the bar that you don't know. You mm-hmm. can bring that that closeness and the, like, the familiarity that you have with your close friends, and you can like share that with strangers or with people listening to you for the first time. And then you establish a relationship from there. So, like, obviously, yes, there is professional motive behind touring because touring is not an appealing thing for everybody, even if you do like to play shows and you are a musician. But is there any part of you, Ethan, that is touring because you like it or because you don't? Maybe, maybe it's not that you like it, but you don't like not touring. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's the strategic reason for touring yeah. that I got into a little bit. Yeah. But I think overall, like, the deeper reason for it is I, I've i never been a person that I don't, like, I don't, I, could, I couldn't really create things for myself and myself only. Like, I could never just write music for me and not show it to anyone. Like, half of the enjoyment of creating is sharing for me. And so... Um, that's why we tour and that's why we try to say hey do you want to listen to our music what do you think do you like it because <laughs> it's like it's half of the enjoyment for me to share it with other people and to get people's interaction with it yeah. and to see their face and to just uh, it's a gamble but it's a thrill you know to put it out there and to say I made this thing what do you think so, I mean, putting yourself on the line like this, kind of night after night, if you will, because last night you played a show, you're playing a show again tonight. Familiar faces, also some unfamiliar faces. So I know for me, we, it's funny, we talked about jujitsu mm-hmm. uh, just a second ago. Before I go to jujitsu, there's like a pretty large part of me that's reserved for like being afraid and rightfully fearful. And I would imagine that showing your music that you've been working very hard on, and maybe I'm not supposed to say this, or I listen to what 
I was sent a link. I listened, and um, it's, first of all, really, really good. So whenever you release that, that's going to be amazing. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, but It's very kind. Yeah. So I would imagine that there's like a part of you that that is like kind of fearful before you go on. Dude, I love that you brought that up. Um, our first record we did was called Frightened. And um, the song Frightened was written about fear and anxiety and anticipation going into a relationship. But over the years, I've just, because I'm lazy, I just keep using Easter Island lyrics or song titles as like passwords. And the, uh, I'm kind of. What do you mean by that? That's uh, interesting. Well, frightened is like a password that I use. So if any, but like there's numbers on it, so no one can. Oh, like actual passwords. I thought you were speaking metaphorically. Oh. I was like, we're about to get deep. We're about to go. Gosh, what is the password? It's the hack. You know, it's, it's only science. Code. It's only science. With a one instead of an I. <laughs> yeah, it's only science with a hashtag and an exclamation point 2004. <laughs> Thank you. That's my password for everything. So, so all of your oh, yeah. Easter Island songs are passwords. Maybe we shouldn't oh, say that very profound. too much. It's very profound. What are they passwords to? Yeah, right? Hopefully people's hearts and minds. Well, you, are, you do talk about fear and anxiety. Um, I mean, you just oh, so said, yeah, but so like I was in, in your, yeah. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Uh, the Wi-Fi network and me and my brother's apartment uh, is called Scared. <laughs> and, uh, and the password for it is Everyone is Scared. <laughs> and, I just think, and I just think that's so funny. I'm just obsessed with the idea because fear is such a a deep motivator for everything we do. Yeah. And obviously in a negative way, but also not in a negative, or just in a way that we can't escape. I mean, it's like we, 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 we select people to spend time with because we're afraid of not being with them or afraid of being alone. We do, we create art because we're afraid of not doing it. You, you, you it's like fear because it's like you're afraid fear. not to, almost. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and another thing that goes in, we can keep talking about fear because I'm just Please. kind of a little bit obsessed with it. Um, but I mean, everything that I do is based in it. And mm-hmm. it, it, if it's not, I try to change it so that I am approaching it with fear again. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, yeah, John, John Mulaney says that uh, anxiety is free cocaine. Whoa. I like that. It just... It's like you you won't get shit done without without it without a healthy level huh. of like whoa 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 am I gonna get this done? It keeps you from complacency, I find. Yeah. Um, Whenever just a healthy fear of not reaching your potential or making something that you like. Yeah. Making something that other people like. When did you? Well, yeah. When did you? Um, when did this kind of click for you? You're like your relationship to fear and. When did you start thinking like this? Uh, only recently was when I changed the Wi-Fi password in our apartment, and I was like, "That's really funny." Uh, and I've always liked horror movies, but I wasn't thinking—I I wasn't really thinking about it in those terms until maybe this year. But I wrote that song "Frightened" in like 2012 or something. Hmm. So long ago, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that you said fear is—it's not even necessarily po- a positive or a negative thing. Mm-hmm although it can create both positive and negative results for people in their lives. Right. It just is something that you can't escape. And so then how you deal with it or don't then can maybe dictate whether or not it's positive or negative. But still, at the end of the day, it's something you can't escape. You can choose to deal with it or you can choose to just be a passenger on the ship. And I've realized that in my life, not only is the best quality work done when I choose, when I make choices and deal with it, but I'm also the happiest and I'm enjoying things and I'm seeing good results. Um, so it's, it's just like, it struck home that you said that to me because all of the things in my life right now that aren't super clear to me, but I do every day because they, they seem to light some sort of fire behind me. You know, um, 
skating, uh, working out, jujitsu. I'm interested. I started surfing. And, like, I go all in with these things. And it's the same with my art. And so it's really, it's really good to hear you, like, clarify that, you know, for me in a way that I had not thought about it before. My art is also fueled by fear. And I think that I was, like, my brain didn't go there because, because I have an ego and sometimes it gets out of control. And so then if I, if I kind of attach fear to my art, then there's opportunity for failure, you know? And I have to check myself on that. Like, am I, am I avoiding failure here? Am I trying to avoid failure? Because that's probably going to be a failure in and of itself. And also, like, my art is only going to be as good as I'm willing for it to be bad. I'm only going to live as much as I'm willing to die and put it all out there, you know? And so it's like, I'm looking for the moments as a consumer and an artist, I'm looking for the moments where I can get your soul or give you my soul. And what I love in the work that you do with Easter Island is that it's all there. And I love, like, I thought that you were speaking metaphorically about the passwords thing, all of the Easter Island songs and I mean, passwords. It's really beautiful for you to pull that out. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's <laughs> every song is distinct and every song it has the surface, what's happening on the surface, but then it has those deep currents underneath that kind of, they are this through line. It's like kind of connecting, tying all of your work together so I can see like your journey. I can see the road work that's in progress where it's still like the the same recognizable highway, but different sites and, you know, Oh, there used to be a pothole there. I can see that that, that has been dealt with. Road work ahead. Yeah. Road work ahead. Road work ahead. Caution. Maybe. Caution. Maybe would be a good title for a podcast too. Caution. Maybe. Caution. Comma. Maybe. Caution. Colon. Maybe. Oh yes. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I think, I mean, you're absolutely right. Uh, I, I mean, what is it that makes you concerned with make making sure your art is good? It's the fear that it might not be good, right? I mean, maybe that's just like too simple a way to put it, but it's just like, I mean, but it's still true. You're concerned, but but what is it for though? Like, why do we want our art to? Why do you want your art to be good? Obviously, you want it to be good so that you can say it's good. But like, what is it deep down where you're like? You know, I want to keep, ma- I guess, what, why do you want to keep making good things? And why do you want to keep making good things better? Um, it's, it's just something I, I mean, and this sounds ridiculous, but, you know, it's just something that I can't not do. Yeah. And I, I'll just always want to make things. And that's just what I love doing is just making things. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay with the nature of this podcast and not assume that my listeners know you or know that you're related to someone who's been on the show. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to ask you some questions that, I'm, that are triggering right now just okay. because I feel like it's important for the listening experience. Certainly. Where are you from? <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in the suburbs of Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. Um, lived in Georgia my entire life never lived anywhere else and traveled a lot i've been very very uh fortunate to travel a lot for work with the band but yeah i've always had georgia as my home base Hmm. um i really love atlanta right now i think it's a really good time to be in atlanta atlanta's going through a lot of growing pains a lot of good growth a lot of bad growth um but uh i just i found that a lot of the stories that I really love telling are based in around people in the Southeast. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I would still love to live in New York. I've been plotting, like I was talking to Ben on the, on the bus, like plotting way, like how could I make this work and do what I do, but do it up here. Mm. Cause I've always wanted to live in this city. You can't. It's just magical. Oh, you can't. Okay, cool. You can't. All right, it's fine. something different here. <laughs> you can do the same things, but it's not the same thing. Ah, uh, I see. I'm just like, like no. I hear you. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you would, you could move here, do all the same stuff, be super successful, 
and you would grow a connection to the city, but it's not like you're, I was going to ask you this. Do you feel like you have a responsibility to the city of Atlanta or to Georgia or maybe just the Southeast? I feel it's sort of half a responsibility to as sort of like, I guess like a son of the South to, Mm -hmm. uh, use my privilege to help make it better. But then also the other half of that is I've like these stories that I've been given are literally gifts. People have pulled me aside and seen, seen like basically hired me to tell stories of some incredibly important people in the Southeast that I didn't seek out. Like they're gifts that just fell in my lap and I, need to stick around to to see those through okay so let's and that's super vague to say and but, I, so yeah. let's illuminate it a little bit let's keep it specific atlanta specific okay could you give me some roses and thorns of atlanta or maybe just some roses give me some things that stick out to you um, this show is called looking for artists after all yeah <laughs> i've been i've had the incredible pleasure and privilege to be to do a lot of work with an artist in Atlanta named Lonnie Holly. Uh he's out of Birmingham. He is a contemporary artist. Uh he's the same age as my dad actually. And he um is in museums all over the world and he's a musician who uh put out a record last year on Jag Jaguar uh which is Bonnie Vare's label and um I've been able to create music videos with him. Um, but mostly I've been working on a tour documentary because I went with him to Europe and did a couple tours in the Southeast with him, just shooting the shows and shooting interviews and things like that. And he's, to me, one of the most important artists alive today. And it's just incredible to be able to be a part of that. And that was something I was just pulled into. Someone wanted me to shoot a show and then we just hit it off. Hmm. And... Well, before you share another rose, if you want to, I'm going to interrupt. I went to school for four years studying acting, and a lot of the stuff that we did with character work was like kind of neither here nor there, as they say, and it hasn't been super helpful. But one of the things that was helpful is thinking about tempo and how people move based on their surroundings or their circumstance. And so there are obvious like physical defects or you know physical things that may hinder you and like affect the way that you walk which tells you a lot about the character but another thing is like the place and with a lot of our um with a lot of our plays that we were studying they were taking place in the south because the south is just this place of it's a rich has a rich history it has a very um interesting history you know kind of violent kind of unfortunate very complex and involved and um kind of an old you know it's rooted in old tradition and but it's always trying to reinvent itself the southeast is an incredible place that's all i'm trying to say oh yeah certainly but the thing about tempo is one of my teachers she the way she said it it might have just been the day it might be because i'm from tennessee and i knew exactly what she was talking about when she said this but she was like you got to keep in mind that people like from the South, especially when they're, it's, a, it's a Southern summer, because this play was taking place in the summer, it affects the way that you move. And there's like a gravitational weight, like there's a weight on you there. And that may sound, it, it's kind of like um, uh, fear. It's not positive or negative. It's just something you can't escape. It, it comes with the, the lay of the land of the South. But there's also like a, a pull there. Like I feel... You know, that southern tempo is something that's a part of me, mm-hmm. regardless of winter, summer, winter, fall, spring. But there's also like a, there does to me seem to be a pull to the southeast. And as much as I'm happy to be here, I'm also happy to be where I came from. And I never forget that. I have a lot of people here that encourage me to forget that. But it's like, I have people like you people like Asher, I also had him on the podcast, mm-hmm. that, that affirm, confirm, and remind me that the Southeast is a truly special place. I mean, you just said, like, 
you're you're an artist who I respect, and you just told me of an artist in Atlanta right now who you think is one of the most important artists alive. I think people sleep on the South. Oh, they absolutely do. Yeah, and I mean, it's easy to, and as as a privileged white man, I can't blame any person for wanting to flee the South who experience oppression the way I don't. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but I sort of see my love for it and my, I don't know, I guess desire to be a force for change and for good as the South needs, I don't know, it needs progressive people to stay there. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Right. Um, And that's, and that's its own topic, I suppose. But um, you talk about the heat affecting the tempo of people's lives and how they move, and that is so true. I don't, I hate the heat. I can't stand it. That's I really, funny. I don't know why I still live in the South. I mean, <laughs> I know why, there are so many reasons that I've already said, but like weather-wise, it is, it is a bummer. I don't do well in heat. What's your ideal climate? Probably, I mean, probably the West Coast. Yeah. Breezy and dry. Like, yeah. That would be cool. The West Coast kind (laughs) of has it made. (laughs) (laughs) But I kind of like, I've realized this about myself. I like the full range. I feel like it's like a process that I have to go through. I like the extremes in the cold and I Mm. like the extremes in the heat because it just kind of keeps things into perspective for me, you know? Mm-hmm. But um, <clears throat> I was going to ask you question of the day, um, but we kind of just got rolling, and so I'm going to squeeze in question of the day right okay. now. Perfect. So is there, I'm just curious, do you have like a memory that you either keep coming back to, like just it just like a memory that surfaces its way into your brain space every day or seemingly every day? Or like, do you have a memory that, that you kind of start from when it comes to your creative process? I don't know why I'm asking you this. Starting from a creative that, okay. Like if you're going to write a, like a song, is there, do you have somewhere in your head that you go? Um, I'll never forget. I was very sheltered growing up. All my siblings were. And we were only allowed to listen to certain types of music. And I, rem- I will never forget, I was waiting in the car. I was probably like 10 or 11 while my mom went into Kroger or some grocery store. And she let me listen to the radio and I turned it to the top 40 station, which was the non-Christian station. Mm-hmm. And Iris by Goo Goo Dolls came on. And it blew my mind. I had no idea that that type of beauty could exist in the world musically. I was only allowed to listen to Christian pop music and like Southern gospel, which there are really, really pretty Southern gospel songs. Oh, yeah. But hearing Iris by Goo Goo Dolls and then the, and then the next song was Jumper by Third Eye Blind, I was just beside myself. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, I don't, like those two songs are just such a huge part of my, uh, I guess like musical arrested development. Cause you know, cause it just like happened so much later. Like I wasn't, I was, I was a little bit behind all my peers and my friends when it came to the music that everyone was listening to. Hmm. And maybe that's, that ultimately spiked my obsession with it with music oh for sure you and know? it has to be like one of the things that's driving you to keep doing it too mm-hmm. but i also i love that question and i don't know if this answers the informs me creatively part of your question but yeah also i've been obsessed with fear but i've also been obsessed with the idea of trying to recapture sort of a childlike play in your life because especially I think as like freelance people who are hustling and it's hard to, like you're not really allowed to be bored. The idea of boredom is so foreign to me because 
if I finish one task and then I can sit back and say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm good. There's always, there's always something else to be done. There's always an edit I could look at. There's always an edit I could redo. There's that footage I shot in this country that I haven't even looked at. Like I could, so boredom is just a thing that isn't a part of my life anymore. And play isn't either. And I remember when I was a kid, uh, oh, like seven or eight, I was in Kmart in like rural Tennessee because that's where my dad's from. And my dad bought me a uh, Donatello Ninja Turtles action figure. And I opened it in the store and held it in my hand. And those like from the 90s, they had like all these all these different weapons that they didn't have in the TV show. Mm. And I put all the weapons in his hand and I was holding him. And I just felt this euphoria and joy and just wonder holding this action figure in my hand that I don't think I will ever feel again. Or that, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's certain feelings you feel as a child that mm -hmm. you will just never feel again. Yes. And that's, that's just a thing. Yeah. And it's not a tragedy that you don't, you know, because we experience joy differently as adults. But, but um, that just sense of euphoria and wonder, I'm trying to play with that a little bit more. Or at least find that. Find, uh, find a sense of play in what I do and in my work. And mm -hmm. I love hearing about your hobbies, jujitsu, surfing, skating. I don't have hobbies. I'm trying to I'm trying to read again. Like everything that I do is about either <laughs> music or photography or it's like I mean it's cool that my hobbies are my livelihood. Right. Uh and that I'm able to scrape by doing those things, but because of that I don't have other hobbies. And like yeah. That's part of it. I think that's so important to have things that you do literally just for fun and not for some and that and that you can do them and not feel like you're taking valuable time away from yeah. this other thing yes but it's also like when you approach things that you love if you approach them with the intent of like having fun then you actually like you may find yourself in a situation where that fun leads you to real progression or like serious work. Like I like looking back at my life now, like I kept going to the gym because it was fun. You know, once mm -hmm. you learned a routine there, it was fun. And then I started going because it was like, oh, I see the ways in which this is benefiting me in my life outside of the gym. So now this is a part of my like, I'm gonna do this now. You know, I'm going to bring intention to this. Yes, it's fun. Yes, I consider it a hobby. But now it's becoming like an integral part of my life that in turn comes back around and it influences my creative process, which comes back around and influences all my gigs that help me to survive in the city. Like all of this stuff, like I'm, tr I'm starting to see it as a circle or as waves that are going to continually crash upon my beach and I'm trying to, like, get better at writing them, you know? And, like, I don't know about aiming for this unified vision of, like, all these things are serving the one. But, I'm, but to, to have that in my mind as a goal of, like, how unified can I get? How, how can, like, my hobbies serve a bigger picture of what I want for my life, for myself and the people around me? You know, and like that's my litmus test. Um, kind of feel for, like you're playing, Do and you? I feel like I'm playing. I feel like I don't know what I'm doing, which is what I felt like when I was a kid. Mm. Which is that though that fear of not knowing what you're doing. That's the construct that pushes like true creativity and you know, I think innovation. Like the reason I asked you that thing about a kid. Uh, uh, is there a memory that you go to, you know, when you go to make something or make a song is because I have a couple memories and like f with me specifically in music, 
when I go to write songs, my intention with the song is to create an audio experience of a specific childhood memory that oh, I have. Wow. So I try to like, I try to make time machines and send people off on those like little capsules of, of time. And, but there's also like these little, I, like one of my memories as a kid was we had this old mission style house in Brainerd, Tennessee, right by the freeway. And our house was built before the freeway separated, like separated. I forget what that part was called, but it just, you could walk across. It was just like grass, you know? So our house was pretty old. It had this really cool wooden staircase that was inspiration for many like books that I started and never finished on our like huge gateway computer. Do you remember those things? With that weird like cow print in the like cube thing. I don't know what the fuck they were doing. <laughs> but anyway, so there's this thing that I did. Yeah, these are we got a we are actually we got the adapters in the mail. My uh-huh. listeners, if you're confused because you got yanked out of it, is because we're um adjusting the mics because they kind of like hit at weird angles because of the knobs. Yeah, I'm just trying to make move it so I can see you better. As well. I've been trying to do that for the past like five minutes. I finally got it, and then you, you, st- yours you started perfect. yours. You got yours perfect. Our adapters are in the they're they arrived at the apartment today, so we're gonna switch them out, and this shouldn't be an this issue is better. after today. I'll just sit That's up. better. I'll but just sit up straight no, like, it shouldn't I, be, like I need know, to anyway. shouldn't be an issue, though, so <laughs> you should be able to sit however you want. Again, this is a road in progress. This is road work ahead. Road work ahead, yeah. So, um, it's only science. There's this one image I had in this really cool staircase. You snuck that one is in that, there. That's the line, right? It's only it's science. It's only science. Okay, yeah, yeah. With an exclamation mark instead of a one. <laughs> <laughs> The password is it's only science, uh, exclamation point, ellipses, um, But those are the passwords that all of the, like, AIs are, like, trying to get you to make. You know, when it's, like, yes. you do your go-to and it's, like, weak. It has, like, one red bar right. and you're, like, shit. Uh, let me try it with, like, a one in, at the end. And they're, like, weak. Right, right. Exactly. It's actually kind of stress-inducing. So my image, uh, one of the ones that I go to is we had the, a lot of string for some reason. Like we played with string a lot. And then we had these army men. So we would like do this thing from my room. We would tie this string up, we'd tack it into the ceiling and then tie it to the banister and then loop it around and then tie that down the stairs and have this huge like, you know, basically a zip line for our army men. You know, and we would throw in the Ninja Turtles, whatever we had. We'd hook it on the random, like, sword or machete that they would have. So some of them were kind of sketch, you know. We were like, I wonder if he'll make it all the way down, you know. Uh, so, like, amazing. those moments of play, you don't yeah. know what you're doing, but you're having the most fun because all you have is string and old toys. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I had this friend. I have a friend who um, moved from St. Louis to Chattanooga, and we started making music together developed a really close relationship both musically and just personally. Um, And he had this phrase about the South that I think I'm going to pull the race card because this was in a conversation specific to race, Mm -hmm. but I think it also applies to circumstance. Um, The South breeds white mediocrity. So let's substitute white for privileged. The, the South breeds privileged mediocrity and black um, excellence or, you know, excellence from, because typically the black story in the South is one that's not the most, it's not coming from the most privileged Certainly, place. No, I absolutely agree with that. But yeah. it, you don't have to be black, right? So for you, like I'm thinking with you, I don't know what your childhood looked like growing up, but I know with what you do now and the intensity at which you do it, because you've already said that you do music so much that you don't do other things that you want to do, photography Mm -hmm. being one of them, right? So I can tell that you're passionate and focused. Not only does it come out in your music, but you're saying that. So um, I guess it's like... when, When your parent, your dad whoever it was that didn't allow you to listen to top 40, like that is, that's kind of like your poverty. Cause obviously what makes you whole now and keeps you going is the music. 
And so to not have that in your formative years is like, that's your string in your old army men. And you got to figure out like, what? How do I make sense of all this? You get those little glimpses of like, I didn't know that things could sound like this. Boom. And then from there, it just kind of like sends you on a trajectory to, to here, sitting across the table from me talking about this. So those moments, I'm always trying to bring clarity to those moments in my own life. So like, I love digging through it with other people. So how did you, that memory with the army men and the stairs and the string, what, how, is there an example of how you have incorporated that into your music? Yeah, um, there is. So that, that moment I shared with my brother and we would always do that together. There was one specific day where we did that, and then our neighbors from across the street who were kind of cool, they went to a richer school, and they were a little better at all the sports that we also did. They invited us to play basketball, and we were playing two-on-two, like me and my brother and then those two brothers. Uh, And, um, you know, Matthew, my brother, went up for a shot, and one of them came down and just like jammed it straight back in his face. And it was, looking back, I would have lolled, but I froze up because I'm the bigger brother. But both of these brothers are like bigger and better and faster and stronger. So I froze up not only egotistically, but also physically. And I was like, I don't know what to do. I failed my brother. Like in that moment, all I had to do was, are you okay? But I, it, just because of the situation, I was so freaked that I froze. I ran home. I left all my stuff. I ran home, and I went to a specific spot where there's, like, a, a lamp on a table and a, the couch, and I sunk into that spot and just started crying until my mom, like, came and was like, Michael, what's wrong? Oh. I was like, Matthew got hurt. He was over there, and we were playing with them, and I got embarrassed, and, like, I didn't know what to do, and I failed him. Like, I'm a bad, you know, I was, like, crying because I was a bad big brother. I realized where I was and where I needed to be, Hmm. and I just, there was something, like, the fear was too great that I couldn't navigate those waters. And so I think a lot of my music now is, like, me trying to, like, process and, like, fix those things that may or may not even have been broken ever. But to me, in my narrative, they were. Right, like, they were I, I crossed a line or failed to cross a line. You know, I failed to step in when I needed to. So it's like me dealing with that now, whether it's angst or like sweet moments or even trying to go back to those moments and make them feel brighter or not as heavy as they were. Um, so you're older? Yeah. Your brother? Yeah, the how, oldest. How much older? Two years. Okay. Pretty close. Are you guys close? We were, and then, like, come high school, my, my mom got a bunch of cats, and I'm allergic. And that may sound funny, but she got, like, 20 cats. And now they're outside. Literally 20 cat- cats? Literally 20 cats. So when I was there, it was 17. And then there were 17 indoor cats, three outdoor, and then the outdoors moved in. And so I coincidentally... I'm having a hard time not, picturing that many. I'm having a hard time <laughs> picturing it still. You know, I had to like hide clothes and stuff because that is so cats wild. would like pee and stuff. She, we're, we're a cat free band because one of us is deathly allergic, like badly you're, allergic. You're lucky to have that member in your band. I am because I generally, are, I'm not allergic, but I'm generally not into cats anyway. A cat is fine. Yeah. You know that picture of Marlon Brando with a cat on his shoulder? Oh, yeah. That's good. Anything else is bad. That is the right place for a cat. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the proper setting for cats. I so I basically I just long story short, I didn't spend a lot of time in my house when that happened, which was like end of junior year, senior year. Coincidentally, started dating my girlfriend, who's my wife now, and so I was spending a lot of time with her. And then she went up to college. She was at college, so I spent a lot of time on the. Oh, mountain. so y'all were together for a long time. Yeah. Oh, okay. You yeah. started dating before she was even at Covenant. I n- no, I started dating. When she was at Covenant, I think she was like a sophomore. So it was right before I went for my okay. two years until I transferred. But, you know, so we've been, we've been in the game for a while. I started crushing on her a lot longer before that. But, uh, you know, I don't even know what I was talking about. But yeah, the brother, the brother thing. 
Yeah, the brother thing. The brother dynamic is really fun. Yeah. Um, well, how are you with your brother? You guys close? We're very close. Uh, there's no... I think he's the most uh, brilliant, uh, funniest person I've ever met in my life. Like, in the most... I just think he's the most brilliant person in the world. And he... Any, any ideas I have, any uh, songs I have, any... He's always the the audience, always been for me. Just mm. if something's funny, he, he's just so creative, and I'm his biggest fan. He, yeah. I was devastated when he uh, wasn't going to be in the band for a second because it felt permanent, hmm. but um, obviously it's not permanent. And that's yeah. that's sort of a thing, and that's sort of a different way that he and I approach life, I think, is that he's very one track mind, which enables him to be very, very, very successful at a specific thing at a time. Like mm. when we were, because when we, the band broke up for a second, we moved from Athens, Georgia to Atlanta. The band started in Athens. We moved from Athens to Atlanta. The band broke up. I decided I still wanted to keep making music. And I was like, well, if you want to be a part of this, you will be. And he was like, well, Actually, I kind of want to focus on acting right now. Hmm. That was his thing for that moment. He's like, I don't want to. I I I I don't want to feel pulled between two things. Like hmm. I want to focus 100 percent on this, and that's just different personality from mine. My, I I have to have my hand in a million different things at once, and just feel spread thin, and eggs in all these different baskets. So, um, when he left the band because it was well, when he just decided to not come back after we broke up at first, it was, um, kind of, it was tough. It was tough on me, but it's going back to like why we go on the road. This is another answer to a question of like why we go on the road. It's, we're just, you're just in a van with your five best friends. Just, it's like, it's like a vacation, even though it's like, we're, we're putting our own money into this and everything. It's just, uh, it's just the best. It's just laughter, constant laughter all the time. Was there any part of you that, I mean, because you've expressed how important the audience is to you in sharing your music, it's like the audience. Like as an actor, you can go through rehearsals all day, but you're waiting on that final character to arrive, which is the audience, and you don't really know shit until oh, yeah. they're there. It's kind of kind of the same with music. And... I mean, it sounds like your brother is a big audience member. So when that audience member kind of left your process of making the music, was there any part of you that wanted to maybe like, or that thought about, were there any voices in the back of your head that were like, if he's, if he's leaving, then what, maybe we shouldn't even do this. I don't know how close your working relationship is. Like when he That's left the question. picture, did did was there any part of you where the whole vision kind of fell apart for a second? Um, that's a great question. Um, and it was a que- and it was a question I didn't really know the answer to at the time. I just knew that I was I had all these songs that I still wanted to explore. And Ryan, who's our guitar player, original bass player, but became guitar player. Um, I wanted to flesh out the songs with him. And we didn't even go into the new record thinking that it was going to be an Easter Island record because to me, I guess that answers your question. Like with Asher gone, with our original guitar player who left, Easter Island was done. And whatever these new songs are, um, it's probably going to be something different. And then we eventually decided that they sounded too much like Easter Island and <laughs> call them anything else. And then Asher came back on board and it was like, okay, well, cool. The family's back together. Again. When did Asher come back? He, um, I guess, yeah, as soon as we started playing shows again. Which was? 2016. Cool. We've been touring this new material for, uh, since 2016. Really? And still haven't put out the album. And it's uh, the reason that I think we keep going with this is that we're not, we still like the songs. Yeah. And I have no idea why. But we still like the songs. We're not over, you know, even if, even if you think the songs are good, like, you're going to get over them. And, like, 
there are a lot of old songs that like I never want to play ever again. You're just over it. That's like a thing from the past. Yeah. But these songs are still we still like them, and so that's like okay. Well, if we still like them, then I guess we'll just keep playing them. Okay. Well, <laughs> since it's unreleased, can I ask you? Like, can I say a couple um, track titles? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Is this the 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 album that you're the record that you just the listened record to? This that is the one that we've been working on. Channel for five years. or not channels, but maybe um, uh, Island Nation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Smoke. Smoke is on that one. Yeah. Record, yeah. This one. Okay. This one. Yeah. Um. Wow. That to me is like I'm getting antsy thinking about that, like as a music maker, because I'm like, yo, if I had music that sounded like this and it was just sitting in a folder, it would be that's out. So nice, right Thank now. You. That's that's so. I I could not sit on that. I really appreciate that. That's crazy. That, that means to me. a lot. Well, it's also very you. showing <laughs> on your end, like to where you're, where you're, you are in your process as a musician that you can not only afford to financially whatever it is sit on that music but you can also do that in your brain space like you're at a different point in the maturity process than i am because i'm like release it release it release it release it but that's also important that mindset also is and i am more of that mindset and i'm glad you brought that's another really really important part of the artistic process is like patience Mm -hmm. and shipping when things are ready Uh, our old drummer who produced our first two albums used to say it's like you have to figure out when it's time to put the crayons down mm-hmm. and just put it out in the world. Because if it's worth it to you, if, if half the experience is sharing it, then you're, it doesn't do anyone any good with it remaining in uh, gestation or whatever. And we put, I think we put out some albums too soon in the past. Mm. And so... I am very much like you. I'm very impatient. I want shit to be out when it's done. I want to strike while the fire's hot. Yeah. Iron's hot. Fire's Iron. hot. And it doesn't get hot without the fire. That's so. right. That's true. <laughs> uh, I want, yeah, I want to put everything out. It's a little maddening to me that it's not out yet. But <laughs> it's to me, but in a way, it was, it's kind of this whole process of making this record has been me trying to teach myself to be patient and yeah. to wait. And to say, okay, no, it's worth it. It's worth, if it's worth doing, it's worth putting out in the correct way. And yeah. I think in the past, yes. we'd put out records in a little bit, we'd felt a little rushed. Or I felt a little rushed looking back on it. Yeah. When really it was my fault that we put it out that fast because I was really impatient. Yep. And I was reading a lot of Seth Godin books that were talking about, you got to ship your product and uh, it doesn't do any anybody any good if it's not out there even if it's, if it's even if shelf. it's unfinished you know yeah you got to put your crayons down at some point and i truly believe yeah. in that but i also believe in i'm trying to temper that with some patience well yeah i mean you got to know when to put the crayons down but you also got to get them out of the box as well <laughs> you know and you play with them and see what colors yeah, work totally. together yeah so yeah so thank you for that uh, that just to bring that awareness to my work going forward, like it's a fine line to tow, but it's, it's, it is ours to tow. Like if we're going to put this work into it, we gotta, it, it's all about timing, right? Cause mm-hmm. what you're essentially doing is you're asking people to ride this wave with you and bring it back to surfing. Cause then I only really have two more things to say and then I'm, pr- I'm pretty content, but going back to surfing, it's like, one thing that blew my mind on the first wave I got up on was, oh, this wave is carrying energy that came from a long, long way away. But I'm catching it here and now. And it's very, very fucking fun. But if I, had to, if I tried to come out there and catch that wave when it was being generated, mm. there's nothing for me there. So if I can encourage you as someone who's not in the same... I'm not on the same track as you, and if I was, I, I would be looking at your um, taillights. But all I'm saying is, like, with what I've heard and with what I see and the conversation we've had, you can trust the energy that you've generated because the wave is... It, the strongest waves are brewed in those storms that are deep out there. So I just clicked this link and just started listening. You started this music, these sounds, maybe over two years ago, and then even that 
you could probably trace those influences back further. So it's like you can trust the work that you've put in because, like, I'm here riding this wave with you, and I'm excited to ride it with you tonight. Um, I'm very, very thankful for everything, and you coming over here and sh being open and sharing, and um, it's just really encouraging conversation. So I really only have one thing to say. It's speaking of putting the crayons down, I have said everything I want to say. Thank you for coming. You're welcome back anytime. If there's anything you want to say, oh, no, this, these are the two things. One, for anyone listening out there who's making music and they're thinking about touring, even if it's in their local area, could you give them three quick tips, like, you know, touring for dummies or shows for dummies? Three quick tips, and then if there's anything you want to say before we put our crayons down, you can say it. Three quick tips touring for dummies. Um, the I was talking to uh, Keller and Ryan and Ben on the way over that uh, there are, for those listening, there's a documentary crew here. Um, and just the idea that, like, no one is going to give you permission to go out and put yourself out there. You are your only obstacle when it comes to making your thing you have to just go make your thing and put it out there and do the work because you can't you just can't wait for someone to come to you and give you money to do it or to give you permission to do it i would say that's number one and so if you're already have that thirst and hunger and you're doing it then you're already on the right track mm. second is like it's just you're in a relationship with the people in your band. It's like you have to treat it like a relationship. And part of being in a band is managing personalities and managing your expectations and managing other people's expectations. And um, it's helpful if you go into it from a place of gratitude. Um, I know it. I I'm surrounded by incredible musicians who are so much better at me, better than me at what they do. Mm. And it makes me so grateful that they're, they even leave their comfortable lives, their comfortable girlfriends to come be on the road and play my music. And that helps <laughs> uh, when you run out of gas in the middle of South Dakota. Yeah. And helps when you have to drive 12 hours to St. Paul, Minnesota, and you, after you ran out of gas, you still had to drive four hours to a hotel, and then you sleep for five hours and get up at 8 a.m. and drive 12 hours. It helps to have the right people with you and to be intentional and just be a good friend to those people. And then third, uh, always have guitar picks, man. Oh, yeah? Just make sure you have... Make sure you have all your guitar picks. Uh-oh, look. I'm going to give that to you. I found it at a show that I did uh, in Chattanooga with uh, my good buddy Carl Cadwell from Summer Drags, and that was on the stage when we were cleaning up our set, and I was like, I know that this is cool, but you know what? I'm going to find a cool moment to like use it, you know? So this was the cool moment. It's on the podcast. I'm giving it to you. Oh my Even gosh. if you don't want it, it's going to clutter your pocket. Of, why would I not want this? This is so special. Thank you. Thank That's you. That's great. And um, can you do one thing for me? Yes. Okay. So you said that you don't have time for photography because you're so hyper-focused. And I'm just so focused, guys. You're just so focused. I'm so serious. If that doesn't show at tonight's <laughs> con concert or show, I'm going to be very pissed. Really but serious. here, I'm going to... With the nature of looking for artists, I'm going to force you and encourage you to do photography. Take a selfie, and then take a selfie of the both of us, and that's what we'll use when we promote the episode. Awesome. So right now, listeners, he's handling my jankety iPhone that I shattered my screen for, but he's still navigating. And we're going to take a selfie in three, two, one. Yep. Thank you. Cool. Anything else? Yeah, no, uh, I just hate when I don't have guitar picks, so make sure you have guitar picks, if you're a guitar player. Actually, if you're not a guitar player, you should have guitar picks, too. It's true. 
You know what? Sometimes funny. I don't have a guitar pick, and I hate that about myself. It it shouldn't <laughs> happen as much as it does. Yeah. But I often hear guitar players ask for guitar picks. Oh, certainly. Like, hey, if you're a singer, you're not asking for your vocal cords. Yeah. What's your problem? <laughs> hey, do you have a voice <laughs> I can use? <laughs> All right. Thanks. Much thanks, love. Thanks so much, Michael. Yeah. This was amazing. Thank you. You were amazing. You brought it. No, you're amazing. You're amazing. Yeah, so uh, my band is Easter Island on Instagram and on Facebook. Check us out. Find our tour dates. See if you like the music. And if you do, send us a message. We're on Instagram. Say what? Oh, you can get merch by coming to our shows because our online store isn't doing very well. I'm going <laughs> tonight. Maybe I'll buy some merch. Excellent. Well, it will be available. Our first two records, uh, we released an EP called Better Things and then a full-length record called Frightened. And this next release will be our second full-length and it's called Take All the Time You Think You Need. This podcast is produced by Rock Rising. Come follow us on Instagram, and if you want to hear more podcasts, visit rockrising.org. Thanks.